This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate, Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Konohamaru, Booyag, Starry, Logan, Punch and Potato, and Jen Solo. Thank you again for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another smoking hot episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. I don't have to do anything How? to my voice because I live in Arizona where it is always hot. Yeah, that's that's honestly what I was thinking. I know I know uh, a lot of our listeners are, are thinking uh, that obviously we would be going in a super sexy direction, but that is uh, actually not the case. Uh, as you are in Arizona and I am in the armpit of California where it is getting up into the uh, significantly high digits and it's looking like we're going to be hitting like 104 degrees tomorrow and uh, huh? uh, I'm just getting ready for those uh, for those power bills to start. Oh jumping, yeah, that's you know? the thing. Because like on the one hand you're like, oh yeah, no problem. I'm just going to be inside all day. Oh wait. Yep. <laughs> that means that PG&E is going to eat my lunch. Yes, indeed. Um, and then charge you for it again. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't, don't don't you just love how that goes? Oh, well. Uh, don't you? Isn't it a weird feeling when you get to the point where you start to realize kind of why why dads develop that really weird spidey sense level superpower like of knowing yeah. where and when somebody even like breathes on the thermostat. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's a thing. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. I've I've never I don't think that's me yet. I usually takes me a long time to even recognize that anything's different at all. Mm. So I just I guess I'm just not there yet, but I tell the worst jokes every day in my class, oh, and I just I my my I love telling terrible dad jokes. Oh, they are just getting better and better. Oh, they're the best all the time. But um, yeah, you know, it's been a weird week. There have been some some good learning experiences. There have been some tough moments. We're coming up really? here to the end of the uh, of the school year, and everybody's feeling it, you know. So we're we're just getting through just, it, my man. You know, by everybody's the, everybody's done. Yeah, by the time anyone listens to this episode, you know, it'll either be one day left or it'll be over, depending on when you post it. Um, Game over, man. Which will be it'll be nice, and I'm not doing any summer school really so that'll be nice actually welcome you know on the one hand it's nice to have the cash but on the other hand time it's nicer <laughs> to have the time baby you know they say time is money but they don't actually tell you sometimes time more than money yeah 
So feels good. Yeah. And it seems like it is uh it's well earned. Um I know uh just near the uh end of last week, uh you gave me the lovely opportunity to be a uh, a digital guest in your classroom and I got to meet the kids that you're teaching and mm-hmm. they got to lob some questions at me and uh i got to i got to snark at him a little bit mm-hmm. while also trying to uh you know it impart what little knowledge i may possess um and that was a lot of fun i uh so i want to thank you for yeah. extending that opportunity to me i hope the kids had a good oh they time. did yeah they really enjoyed talking to you and getting your presence and and getting someone who you know, while you and I share a lot of things, we also have different sure. perspectives, you know, and so they like mm. that. And I should, frankly, probably get more people in there to come talk to them. Uh, you know, I wonder if AJ would do it. Wouldn't that be great? But Oh, the, having AJ do anything is great. Is great. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, we should just have him re-record anything, the intro for us and just play it every time. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, just really, he could say whatever he wants. It's really it's just it's the accent that people show up for right i mean he could say that anything those super friendly attitude infinitely better oh yeah yeah he's just i i mean i don't know if i've uh have you ever By the heard way, if, him like if, if if anyone doesn't know who we're talking about this is uh aj pickett uh the mighty glue stick who's on youtube and talks about D laura we've interviewed him once on the show i've played some D with him he's just one of those great people he is an incredibly pleasant gentleman. Incredibly is, pleasant is a good uh, way to, to say just it. Just an absolute pleasure to to talk to. Absolutely. When, uh, whenever you get the uh, the privilege. And he, Honestly, he, even uh, when he's being snarky, it's, it's it's appealing. <laughs> so he, he's he's just a charming son of a gun all son around. Son of right? a gun, indeed. That's uh, American for we like you. Our yes, yes. Soft arm is. punch. That's soft arm punch. You yeah. know, just just a little, just a a nice sharp rap on the knuckles, but not like a nun in a Catholic school where like wow. you regret everything you've done. No, that's that's a thing. Uh, but uh, you know, anyway, like, just just that that dap, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I don't know, working on anything? Uh, uh, watch any good movies? I am. I watched a good movie. Trying. Ooh, what did you watch? I watched Chippendale Rescue Rangers. We're talking about Chippendale, the uh, Chipmunks. The right? Chipmunks. That's right. The uh, yes. Chippendale. You remember the old TV show, right? I do. Chippendale Rescue, Rescue Rangers. Chippendale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets it. See, guys. We won't do the whole thing it. because Disney has a uh, a uh, legal department that could uh that we're terrified of swallow me but if we ever get to the point where disney is even aware of us at all i'll be thrilled to bits um i think they just have uh skynet or whatever just cruising for any poor schmuck who uh would dare impinge upon their they're cruising for our bruising yeah uh and uh but we don't care because we're rebels like that we're rebels um I would I would scream. Yeah. So what I I have heard it's basically 
yeah, what did you hear? I I haven't seen it, but what what I have heard and I've been trying to avoid spoilers is that it is actually wonderful. Yeah, it's actually really fun. Um you know, I would probably I didn't know what to expect from the trailers. I saw all the CG and I was like, uh... No, it's great. Because it's basically Roger Rabbit. Okay. Okay. And I could probably just leave it there. Right? Like if you Fair if you enjoyed uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit, then this will feel like a blast from that past, right? Like it will nice. It'll kind of give you some of that nostalgia. It'll also give you some nostalgia for the show. Uh, it's 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 a buddy love movie, um, and so well that's right up our alley. It is, and it, you know the plot's fairly predictable, but you know it's it's a fun ride. And uh, in case you're not sold yet, it has J.K. Simmons in it. So oh, I'm so just done. So just surrender. <laughs> sold. Now I you pretty I much have, have to watch very, I have a very important question. Between the two of us, hmm. who's Chip and who's Dale? I'm Chip, you're Dale. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I, I, like, <laughs> that's exactly what was in my head. And I was like, I just want to, I need to confirm. And yes, uh, that's. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, that's. Look, that's, Dale's great. Um, he, he is. He is. I just, you know, I'll paint my nose red yeah. and uh, call it a day. He he's Tom that's... Selleck, so that's nice. Um, nice. Not not the voice actor, but like you know, the shirt. His look is based on the adventure hero of the time, who was uh, mm. um, uh, Magnum PI, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And and Chip is modeled after, of course, Indiana Jones. Right. Um. So that's interesting. No, uh, Dale is voiced by Andy Sandberg, and uh, huh. Chip is voiced by uh, John Mulaney. Um, one of the things you learn up oh, front. Oh, I love John Mulaney is terrific. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, and they both guy. do a phenomenal job, and and it's great. Um, oh, and what's her name that was on Mandalorian? Who was also Princess Caroline in? Um, Oh my god! In BoJack Horseman, the greatest cartoon show of all time. I'm scared to watch that show. Oh my god! Oh, it sounded way too heavy. It is. It's heavy, man. But like, if you want to watch something like good, and like, let's say the wife and kids are out of town for for a minute, it mm. it is. It's heavy, but it's good. Fair enough, right? Like, like imagine you're watching an episode of Family Guy, but it like taught you something. <laughs> I, that, that see see that's i don't go there for that and maybe felt made you but feel a little bad you know? i <laughs> you know if, if i'm if i'm gonna go watch anything that i ought to watch it's probably gonna be the orville like yeah. i i i do need to get around to that i owe you that one. Oh yeah and um, season two's uh finally coming or three i guess season three is coming out finally ooh. which i'm glad about because i thought it was canceled um well, that's that's always nice. That's always nice. I really enjoy the Orville. Sometimes it doesn't know if it's a comedy or if it's legitimately a Star Trek, but anything's better than Picard. So legitimately a Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, or Discovery. Well, Both just mm, horrendous. Ugh. Um, 
But I saw Chippen- Doctor Strange. Oh yeah. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. Yeah. Your thoughts. Honestly. Uh huh. I thought. Uh huh. That it was. I thought that it was fun. Sure. Um. I have heard. I've heard. I've heard lots of mixed opinions. I've mm-hmm. heard from from people yeah. on both sides of the fence express equally enthusiastic uh or or vehement uh reviews uh both of which seemed pretty well thought out like um you know i'm hearing criticisms and things supporting the movie that both uh are you know seem valid and uh and reasonable i i came away from it first of all uh i think one of the things that can't be argued about it is that it is visually incredible. Like the, you know, just to Mostly. look at everything in the movie. Yeah. yeah like it's, there, there's it's pretty amazing. There's one thing I don't want to like mention by name where the CG was like Henry Cavill's mustache level. Yeah. There's just one thing, yeah. but other than that you're absolutely right. You know, there's it's it's chock full of great vi- visuals. Um mm-hmm. you know, it it was a thing that I definitely enjoyed watching it when I was watching it and the more I thought yeah. about it after, the more sort of unsatisfied I became thinking yeah. about it. And and part of that is just, you know, sort of armchair director, you know, just well, if it right. hadn't been me, well, you know, look, dude, there's a reason it's not you. <laughs> right? yep. So, uh, yeah. And and far be it from me to crit- criticize Sam Raimi, right? But at the same time, sure. like, I did feel like he made it more of a one of a, his films more than he yeah. made a an entry for the gigantic television show that is the Marvel Universe. Yeah. So that, but you know, I it, it's certainly better than Dark World. <laughs> sure and i i think one of the things that i was most excited about for this movie was just seeing what it what it put out there for the future of the mcu mm-hmm. and you know by by bringing in the multiverse yeah and having this like you know kind of next level uh scale of reach yeah. and scope yeah. for the story um i've i've been very curious to learn like who our next big bad is like who's the thanos for this phase well it's king the and, conqueror obviously right um but i've been wanting to see like the next step of that hmm. um and i thought that we would Maybe it's been get... a bit disjointed so far, hasn't it? Yeah, like I've been trying to kind of follow it, and I part of me thinks that they're just kind of playing the long game and are still sort of yeah. in this we're setting things up phase. But the thing, the MCU is so huge now that even the setup phase is pretty considerable. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think. I think there are just uh, it's a lot to wrap your brain around and you walk away from uh, multiverse of madness. And, you know, at least I have, you know, a lot of a lot of questions and things like that. But it was like you said, it was a fun movie to go watch. And if you've been following the MCU at all, 
you're gonna go see it if you haven't already so i mean it's it's not even really a a question question, yeah um yeah i find myself in a in a strange timeline where my favorite superhero film was a dc film um because i really Mm. loved the batman i know a lot of people didn't but i i adored it and Mm -hmm. uh and the marvel stuff i've been you know i've been entertained certainly right but i haven't been as excited about it and you know they just showed the she hulk preview and she looks a Mm -hmm. great character you know i've been kind of waiting to see it but uh the I don't know if the CGI is just like unfinished, but she looked like a Shrek character, you know, like oh, it just man. doesn't look great. Um, I wonder if it'll get the, you know, the Sonic the Hedgehog treatment where enough people okay. just lambast the thing. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I, not going to say I, anything. I, I'm not going to say anything, but you need to watch Chip and Dale. <laughs> I, I, I have, I've seen, I saw an article on Kotaku that uh, showed a little, no, showed, showed a little bit of it yeah um you gotta watch it okay yeah i i i wanna it's like um, it's a it's definitely like a c-rated movie but it's still fun and and you can watch it probably with your kids i don't know it's it is rated pg sure having said that (laughs) (laughs) i mean even in roger rabbit there were some parts that would have been maybe a little too scary for a lot of kids well never mind jessica rabbit well yeah but i mean like most of that stuff is not gonna phase or like a lot of kids won't understand a lot of what's going on there um but there are some let's say scary moments that do happen right um and you know i could go in actually it's, it's worthy of a lot of discussion which is funny um anyway if you if you like lonely island videos this is basically what you're getting so. Perfect. That'll work for me. That'll work for me. Speaking of things but, that work for us, Andrew. Yeah. I wanted to take us directly into our our main topic, if I could. Uh, Do it, my man. Great, great. You know, it's time for some tomfoolery. I ooh, I have I really struggled my favorite kind of tom to come up with an idea tonight, and I started getting more and more interested into talking about what is a good player. But then I was like, in a way we've kind of done it. And like a lot of people have done it. Yeah. But you know, uh, here's a one thing we've never done. (laughs) Oh boy. We've never done a tier list. (laughs) Uh, So. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I just, I apologize to everyone now, but also. Uh, I I hope you'll enjoy it. Um, this is gonna be kind of probably tongue in cheek a little bit, but um, I don't want to do a tier list over like what class is best or whatever. Nah, you know we've done. You know all watch Dungeon Dudes. They do all that. They do a great job, right? Oh yeah. Um, what I want to put on our tier list are the actual oh, human beings that sit at the table. Now we're not naming names. Or anything uh-huh. like that. We're not even doing codes. We're just talking about player attributes. Stuff player that, attributes. Stuff, stuff that players do. Stuff that you're gonna see at a lot of tables. What do we like? What do we what could we live without? Okay. Okay, so let me give you a few examples. 
just so you kind of get the idea of what I'm talking about. All right. So a, a lot of them are like the player types in the DMG that are described there, but I added a whole bunch more. Okay. And some of them Ooh. could be considered negative. Okay. So, so you, you throw them at me and then we will rank them together and come to a consensus. Okay. Yeah? That sounds great, but we can't right. go super slow because we have a lot on this list. Okay. No, go for it. I, um, I will take a leaf out of, uh, I think it was, uh, last week or the week yeah. before where where you made me actually speak only briefly i will uh, try <laughs> to channel that yeah good 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 um but first i do have to cover the criteria and i'll uh, I'll, I'll go quickly though so if you if you've ever seen any of these other tier list videos like tier zoo which i would highly recommend which because it's great um mm -hmm. dungeon dudes does a lot of these uh tier lists are fun tons of People, especially on YouTube, do it. So the negative here is that, of course, this is a podcast, so people aren't going to be able to hear it. But I will, once we get done with the list, I'll post it on our Discord for inst inspiration point. If you want to see it, then subscribe. Okay, so um, the criteria. Just like every other tier list, we start with S, then A, then B, then C, and we finish with D. There's no F tier in this case. Um, mm. now the reason why we do that is, is because the actual thing that you want is a, and then S is just the best thing ever. So here's the criteria I wrote. These are like the people that you want to invite to your table that you want to be there or don't want to be there. Okay. So a is a consistently great choice to have in your campaign fits every time. Like this person, they do this thing. I, I invite them. It doesn't matter what the game is. They're there. Okay. Mm. All right. S is better than A. Okay. S is. So it's like you are lucky if you can get this person at your table. You absolutely cannot live without this attribute. If this if this person, if this quality is not at the table, you just don't even want to run. So, mm. so S is necessity. Ah, okay. Okay. I l literally don't even want to play the game b okay. b is interesting b is a great choice for a certain campaign i would invite them to something that was specific right like i know that this campaign mm. is going to have this tone they're going to be a good fit for it but i'm not going to invite them to this other thing gotcha. because it's just not going to work out they're not going to get it they're going to be frustrated mm. okay so i i this is this is a good attribute when i'm in the mood for it Okay. All right. C. Okay. Only I only have like three people. I really wanted four. I can tolerate this. <laughs> this is fine. I can have one, maybe two of these, but I'm not. Okay. I'm I maybe not giving them as much time as the others. Okay. I'm not excited about it, but they can sit with me. Fine. Sure. D is actively detrimental to what I'm looking for in a player. Absolutely not. I don't want to see this anymore. Hmm. Okay. And. And F, if like like they they don't do F because they just want to get the get the F out. Why no F? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know, I don't know. Part of it is just tradition. I could have added an F tier if I had wanted, um, but like, what if F is in? But in this case, I, I think the one to four scale with a possible five is great because yeah, fair enough. 
because D is already basically saying, I hate this. So anything beyond that is already going, I really, really hate this, you know, like, well, maybe if there was that, I would feel like, like the opposite of necessity, like something to be actively avoided. So I think, like, well, I think that's kind of D. So like F would be like, I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) This is something that must be expunged from human existence. Wow. You have a moral obligation (laughs) to stop this person whenever and wherever they may be. So I I didn't want to let them hurt anyone else ever again. And I want to point out that with D tier, it's actively detrimental to what you're looking for. Right. So because there's no way for Andrew and I to sit here and say, here's what is objectively terrible. Right. Although we may have a strong consensus. Sure. Okay. We don't have time. So here we go. Are you ready? I am as ready as I can be. Okay. So the first attribute we're looking for is the scribe. This is the person that takes meticulous notes. They um, track Mm. everything. They remember everything that either you as a GM did or even you as a player did. You can always rely on this person to give the information for recaps and to keep everybody on the... I'd say that that's a pretty solid, easy A tier. Okay. Like, you, you want... You want at least one of those people at the table. That is a really helpful thing to have. Okay, so I will throw that in A tier. Why not? We can keep it there, at least for the moment. Um, the The scribe can sometimes be unhappy, probably, in certain campaigns, where there's just not a lot that really needs to be tracked. But then again, I don't even oh. want to be in that campaign in the first place, right? So, yeah, no, scribes are A tier. They're great. Um, okay, the next one that I have here is uh, the lore master, okay? The lore master, mm. they know everything about the world and the universe. If it's homebrew, they go through and they read everything that you wrote. If it's Forgotten Realms, they probably know more than you do. Mm. The, they are interested in exploring lore and learning about the story and background of the world. This is an interesting one, and I I am intrigued to hear what you think first. So the lore master is something that I can definitely live without, frankly. Um, Mm. I want someone who's interested in my stuff. I want someone who's interested in the world that I'm presenting, but I don't need a player who already knows it all because it's difficult to surprise them. Right. Yep. And so it's it's also difficult to keep that player from um, using too much player knowledge. Yeah. And so. While it's not detrimental by any means, because I do want someone to read the the campaign materials I give them, I also don't need them to know any more than what their character would know or be interested in. Right. Right. So for me, it's a a B tier choice because Mm. in a certain campaign where I really want people to sink their teeth into the setting and the world and maybe do a little bit of homework. You know, I could be into that. Mm, yeah. You know, as as you were initially describing it, um, I actually kind of, for, for a little bit, until you uh, started giving me your take on it, I actually kind of thought that you might 
place it a bit higher, mm. if only because you tend to like to, uh, especially when you're home brewing, come up with a whole bunch of cool background stuff and whatnot. Although sure. you have in recent years, you have scaled back. I I yes. would say admirably. Um, oh, good. Yeah. I I think for me, I would almost. It feels weird to say, but I think I would almost maybe put them in C tier. Whoa. If only if only because typically there are not many kinds of campaigns that I would run that have a whole ton of lore going on that I would actively be using. So having that lore master in the game... Like you would just let them down, kind of. Not only would I let them down, but I don't I don't think that I would be putting things out there that would necessarily interest them. Or I might actively be putting things out there that would frustrate them mm -hmm. because they know that, you know, based on air quotes canon, you know, right, that yeah. would never happen. It would be this way. You, you don't you don't want that kind of correction at that. I moment. don't need someone pushing their glasses up their nose at me while I'm trying to, you know, create a fun experience. So I, I want to say this. I've actually made that a separate category. And the, uh. the picture I have for it is literally the actually meme. Actually. By the way, I'm yeah. using pictures all right. for all these that the listeners can't see um so this and i can't see <laughs> and you can't see i don't i don't know if i if i give you the link i wonder if you could see it in real time i'm gonna try um okay i'll i'll check uh I'll check yeah yeah check discord. your discord here i'm gonna i'm gonna try okay. it okay i don't know you might just only be able to see where it's at All now right. i don't know if you can edit it or move things around but Let's feel see. free to try it I okay, I think it's loading up here. Uh I see the different tiers. Um but I don't think I can see what you're doing. So, why don't you tell me what picture you use and what uh what tier it's going into and mm -hmm. I can move it for myself too. Okay, so the the picture for the scribe, I had a like a medieval scribe, right? It's like obviously medieval art um okay it's a guy Looks like, like a writing. big letter o yeah exactly so i put okay. that in, i put that in a tier a tier Boom. okay and then uh for our lore master i literally have a lore master picture i think from like either pathfinder or one of, one of the earlier dnds the dude with the scroll yeah the dude with the scroll so i think okay. for now and for the sake of moving on i think i want to stick him in b tier um, okay. I also Fine. want want to say that AJ was the right kind of lore master because nice. he, you know, his MO is always, yeah, I know a lot of this stuff, but your version of the world is always different than someone else's. And if yep. that's what you establish, then it's fine. This is all made up. Right. And this is a guy that loves lore. Right. That's a great approach. And it. it's a great approach. So he's my like. If he is ever like, hey, man, I want to play a game. I'm going to be like, yeah, you're in. Um, awesome. Regardless. Okay, so uh, the next one is the Explorer. Uh, and the picture for that one is the Ford Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, 
So the Explorer, you know, I, I want to be a little more specific with it. Yeah, they like exploring. But the thing is, is like, are you the kind of GM where like you want to put a bunch of stuff in the game for players to find? Do you want people to sort of comb through meticulously all your little details? Or do you kind of want people to focus on the main show and stop being distracted by things? Mm, that's, oh man, that that's an interesting <laughs> one for me. If only because when I run, I tend to like just doing things off the cuff and kind of winging things. And I think that that, that lends itself a little bit to at least some aspect of an explorer personality where, you know, where you want to dig deeper into things that you find or notice or think of. Um, but I also am not necessarily the kind of GM who deliberately places like Easter egg kind of things where it's like, Ooh, I hope they notice this deliberately placed thing. So I I think by what I think your definition is for this, I think it might be B or even C tier for me personally, just because I don't think I I don't think my games necessarily cater to an explorer type, at least in the traditional sense. Okay. Does, you, does that sound fair? Sure. Yeah. I mean, C tier. I mean, because again, my C ranking is if you wanted to fill a spot, you could be fine with this. So C is not saying this is bad, right? Like, because we always want to right. reduce things down to I like it, I don't like it. D is the only one that is like, I don't want this. Um, right. C is you can be the fourth guy, you can be the fifth guy, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I'm totally fine with that, but there are times when I do create campaigns where exploration is one of the main things. So right. to that end, that could be a very good B tier choice because yeah. B tier is about, it fits in the specific place. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Then B tier it is. That makes sense. B tier it is. Okay, great. B tier. All right, here we go. So the next one is is the optimizer uh, so i had a hard time finding a picture for this so i have adrenal optimizer <laughs> it's a bottle of pills <laughs> um, so uh the op you know do you want that guy at your table that is you know yeah they know the game inside and out they're gonna make a very powerful character so the the bright side is that you can sometimes err on the side of being a little heavy handed with your challenge because they can typically handle it. The, mm. the, the downside sometimes could be something like um, this person is not as concerned perhaps with the other aspects of the game, or maybe they can bamboozle you easily, you know, or like you're just going to yeah. feel outwitted all the time or, like I, I think that's probably counter. a I think that's probably a solid C tier for me. Yeah, honestly, like you can tolerate it, but it's not your favorite. I would rather not deal with it if I don't have to. But if you know, it is possible for someone who is an optimizer to play in such a way where it's not disruptive or um, or difficult to deal with. 
Because there are some people who play optimizers and then they come in and just start dominating everything and will just steal the spotlight and kind of, whether intentionally or unintentionally, kind of, it's almost like they can't help but sort of pull all the attention and make things about them and start driving everything. It can become very, like, anime protagonist in a way. Yeah. Sure. Like it, it, because no one at the table ever wants to feel like Krillin. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I that that's bothersome to me. And and but you there know, are, but there are times where I, I could be fine with it. I can have one in my table and tolerate it. Um, particularly if I know my campaign is going to be co- uh, combat heavy, I don't actively sure. hate it. Right by any means. So right. I'm willing to agree to a C tier. Cool. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, so the next one is the all-famous rules lawyer. Okay? D. D. <laughs> just straight on. Now hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, all right. <laughs> the bri- let, let me let me let me play devil's advocate for the rules lawyer, okay? Yeah, do it. So the rules lawyer knows the rules, frankly, right? Sure. Now, I think what the thing that we really want is the kind of the rules referee or coach, perhaps. You know, where they're where if you call upon them, they can tell you or yes, or maybe they quietly go, hey, by the way, just in case you're interested, if you didn't know, here's right. how that thing is officially handed. Um, nobody wants to be undermined in the middle of their game. Ugh. Right. That's definitely yeah. a D tier. But the rules lawyer can provide value because they well, they know the rules. <laughs> right. And right. they can they can help both sides of that argument. But sometimes, as a GM, you also just want the plot to do a certain thing. Right. Right. And the and sometimes so a tempered rules lawyer is great. But that's not what I said. I said a rules lawyer. So take that for what you will. Are you still throwing I, him in D tier? I I would throw them, I think, in D tier, if only because I think that with all these Even the ones that we've listed already, like the Optimizer and the Explorer and things like that, like we kind of have to go off the stereotypical version of them. That's true. Sure. You know, I I, want to throw this caveat out there because I feel like we're running into this, or at least I am a lot with this, is that there are what I feel are right and wrong ways to go about this kind of thing where like an optimizer or a rules lawyer especially i feel like there are or the lore master like you mentioned for that matter uh there are ways you could go about it and comport yourself where it's not disruptive it's not irritating or grating it where it's pleasant and it's helpful um but i think the stereotypical rules lawyer is the kind of person who will just butt in in the middle of a session and you know start throwing out corrections left and right and interrupting things a lot um that's the stereotype that i have always uh heard and and that sort of thing i'm sure that there are a lot of other people out there who view this differently and i'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who would count themselves rules lawyers but not the bad version all right right? i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna help (laughs) stop there yeah Uh, um so 
Yeah, I would say sometimes the lawyer aspect itself probably denotes a little bit more of an argument side. Right. Uh, so to that end, I am happy to agree to throw them in D. Mm -hmm. um, even though I do see their value. If we had an F tier, I would not put them there. No, I wouldn't either. Having someone at the table who who is very familiar and knowledgeable about the rules is 100% valuable. But if you are disruptive about how you use that yeah. knowledge... I mean, you could almost be disruptive about happens. any of this stuff. It's just that rules lawyer, almost by definition, is more disruptive. Okay, right. so um, the next one is also... What, what picture did you use for that? Oh, uh, my rules lawyer is like this dwarven smith that has a printing press him. coming out of his chest. Yep. And he's... And, well, I guess he's not so much a smith as much as it's a gavel. So he's reading the ticker that's coming out of him, and he's passing uh, things. Okay. Anyway, I just... I literally Googled rules lawyer, and that was one of the top pictures. Hey, perfect. Okay. Okay, the next one is also typically sort of a negative. Mm. Um, and this is the uh, metagamer. So the metagamer, of course, hmm. uses player knowledge in the place of character knowledge. So they will make certain decisions. Like if they know that a monster has certain um, immunities or resistances or has a particularly high or low um, you know, ability score, they're going to exploit that. They might even mm. tell that to other players. Um, if the, mm. this is essentially breaking character because the character would not necessarily know these things. Now, some stuff is obvious. Like, you see a big giant, you can probably assume they have bad dexterity. Or, you know, fair enough. Right. Okay. If a hill giant's going, me not like him, you know, or whatever, you can probably assume he has a bad intelligence score. But if you're playing a dumb fighter and you know a ton about chemistry and you try to leverage that information in the game, <laughs> sure, that's that's, that's not issue, so good, right? right? And and by the way, even GMs could do it. Um, oh, they definitely can. One of the famous stories that that Guy Sklanders would share on his show sometimes is an embarrassing moment in his early GMing career, is where he created like a pool of vinegar yeah because, because he happened to know that you couldn't possibly like be buoyant in it yeah um, you can't swim yeah and so he essentially killed a player and went haha i'm so clever and of course that player didn't return to his table ever right and you know and he felt really embarrassed about that i appreciated that he, he was willing to share that yeah definitely um so anyway the metagamer the positive is that he can help things move. Um, they can help defeat difficult fights, which means you don't have to pull too many punches. The but downside is, that is how you want it to be done. Right. Is that a satisfying way to do it? And if it's not a satisfying way to do it, then is then is that ruining the whole experience anyway? Sure. Yeah. Um, or like, they're not even asking for knowledge checks. They're just spouting out lore information. So this can go with your lore oh, master a I little bit. I hate that. You know, where they can just, they can say everything that's happening, even though, yeah, they're a barbarian from, you know, uh, from, you know, the, the north or whatever. And they've, they've sure. never been to try to think like Waterdeep, let's say, but now they know I, everything about Waterdeep. Technically Waterdeep's think, in the north, but you know what I mean? I think at its core, 
metagaming in and of itself, even though it's certainly possible for people to do it in a in a well-meaning way or you know like you say trying to help move things along that is definitely a possibility i think metagaming at its core is something that is expressly stated even in a lot of game system rules as something you straight up should not do it is to be avoided and is the antithesis of role playing and in and in that regard i say you don't want that at at the table because you have because it's somebody who is actively doing the opposite of what the activity is supposed to be right no i think i agree i just like to give them as a fair shake as i can give them but i absolutely, absolutely. agree i think we're throwing it in detail right yeah you don't want metagaming there is a book apparently called metagamer chronicles which i am huh. interested now in checking out but anyway i found the book cover for that that is our picture um it's got ah, like three striped colors on it Perfect. um okay so we got a couple in deeds here okay so the next one is the actor ah. and my picture for the actor uh is a famous and celebrated actor will smith who recently won an oscar um ah. he is famous for movies like uh hitch i am legend and uh, suicide squad of course, his mm. television show, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and oh, yeah. his rap career, and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else. So he's our actor. The actor likes to get into character, obviously. They they yes. go full bore into playing their part, and they will probably bring a voice, if not just a cadence, uh, to the table they might even get up gesticulate um they might even dress up i the, think you yeah. i think you at least want one of these at your table mm. right it it brings it brings a lot of spice and flavor and engagement yes to the game and that for a gm is very rewarding you want somebody who feels excited and involved and engaged with what you are trying to present to them sure um on the other hand i think having a table full of them would be incredibly <laughs> overwhelming not only for the gm but probably for the players themselves like on unless they were like i don't know an acting troupe and they're used to all perhaps a working group of together professional voice actors Running yes. D and D like a television show, you might say. You know it. It, I believe it's been done. A time I believe or two it's been to done. various levels of success. Now, what's interesting about that is not everyone on that show has been successful on that show. Mm. Um, and most of the ones that do well are the ones that not only can act, but of course they can improv, which means that they're right. good at things like keeping the ball rolling, right. right? moving that plot along not everyone can do that actors can sometimes make it about them and drag things to a standstill i think uh, there are also uh there is also the risk of of being too much or going too over the top um yes. you know i there are because the actor like you said can uh can be vulnerable to 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 being a bit too much or 
focusing on their character and that can sometimes mean uh that they do that to the exclusion of other people at the table or they you know maybe you're not reading the room and making some people uncomfortable by pushing it too much that That can that can happen yeah that can happen um okay so i feel like we were leaning s and i think we've kind of talked ourselves into a tier what would you say i i was i was feeling a tier from the get-go okay all right so a tier great i don't have to have it i would like it yes i would very much like it fair enough that's great okay i'm pretty sure i know how you're gonna answer the next one all right but i want to know anyway what okay oh my god uh what was the picture he uses okay this is the deliberator this is the person that must explore all possible outcomes of the situations they must be explored in detail we must have all the information before proceeding is this the private eye picture with the magnifying glass it's it's not no it's Uh, um it's less skull and then it says ah. it just says the uh the deliberator on it i guess it's from a book or a show or something i don't know Mm. um but that's my deliberator sometimes they can talk you to death so the Mm. the the bright side is they are very very engaged with the scenario they are thinking about it fully they're they're sinking their teeth in it like a vampire. The problem with them is that they also suck all the blood out of you. Okay. <laughs> Which is to say you, sometimes you just want stuff to happen in a DNT game and you can't get it going because the deliberator hasn't explored all the 14 million different timelines. Right. So um, your thoughts on the deliberator. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I think with any of these, I could come up with, you know, the devil's advocate alternative to like, well, it could be okay if blah, blah, blah. But I think as it stands, I I would put it in D tier because it just, it in fact often will um, devolve into circular reasoning or circular yeah. arguments mm-hmm. where you're, you're not, where they're not really deliberating on new information it's just retreading a bunch of old stuff and it just becomes less deliberating and more rampant indecisiveness i i 100 agree i do not need a deliberator at my table i on the one hand thank you for your participation and your engagement but i am trying to run a game here this is right if we were in a life or death situation i might be more interested in your help right 100 percent. okay the next one is the opposite ah this is the instigator ah let's make the thing happen is there a big red button i'm a press it all right mm. i'm bored now leroy <laughs> jenkins um this is the person that is willing to do the dumb thing mm. okay having said that sometimes the instigator is not patient he can get you into trouble yeah this can lead to tpks probably faster than anything else on the list yeah instigators can cause a lot of chaos but they're gonna keep your plot moving oh yeah the only downside to that sometimes is that sometimes it ends up moving in a direction you really don't want 
<laughs> yeah, I think, you know, instigators are a weird breed because it's, to me, it's an issue of temperament. I have run into people who play instigators that are the most annoying kind of characters where they where they act with literally no consideration for anything else outside of them and their own interests. And sure. that kind of garbage can be straight up F-tier as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> sure. I, I hate that nonsense. Keep it away from me as far as it can be. Yeah, um, I hear you. On the other hand, if you are considering what's going on and you're considering what the rest of your group would enjoy and you actually have a decent sense of those things an instigator can be terrific because that person is also they're not just thinking let's just go i'm bored i'm feeling impatient let's move it along they're thinking how can we move it along in a direction that will still be fun for everyone else including me Yes. That, bring it on. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good way of putting it. So, let's say that the player in question is a little bit of both those things. B tier? Yeah, I think that's where they belong. And I say that as an instigator. Yeah. There are times where I really can help a game move, and there are times where I make it rough for other people. I, I would I would say the same for myself. Right. And so that, that can happen. Um, but sometimes, especially if you have a plot where decisions need to be made quickly or, you know, a little bit of wackiness is welcome, yeah. then, then that can be a very good setting for that. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, let's go with B-tier instigator. There is a logo of, like, a hockey team, apparently. Yep, I found um, it. You found it. Okay. The next one is the soloist. The soloist likes to go off on their own thing and handle a part of the adventure on their own. The soloist can be very cinematic in that they provide a lot. A lot of times this is a bard or a rogue. But not always, but it's it's often one of those things. Um, mm. Sometimes they want to play by themselves while everybody else does nothing, which is um, can be a great story, but can be kind of boring in terms of gameplay for everyone who is not the soloist. I um, think at best, I think at best, this is maybe C tier because there are times when having that person who can really make make for a cool scene every now and then when you really do need a moment where the rogue is getting in there and doing some James Bond crap and you know you have the Mission Impossible theme go for a few minutes and they and they can use that time to really deliver something that boosts the experience for everyone else if they can really entertain, that can be great. But like you say, there there's a danger of that being too much. And I think it's an easy trap for people who lean into this player type to fall into that kind of trap 
So I would say C tier. Um, I don't think it's necessarily so bad where I would put it at D tier. Um, but it's easy enough for it to go overboard where I don't know if I'd feel comfortable putting it higher. I, I think that's a perfect definition. Uh, C, if you wanted to fill a spot, you could be fine with this, but not excited about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I can I can tolerate a soloist. It's not a deal breaker. I don't need it. Yeah, that's, that's the Jamie Foxx picture. Yeah, Jamie Foxx and um, Robert Downey Jr. from yeah. the film The Soloist. Um, so there you go. Uh, the next one, we know this person. Every table's probably got one or two. This is the silent player ah this person don't doesn't really talk they don't really add a whole lot they show up they do their die roll they're pleasant usually to be around they don't actively make it a worse place to be but they don't really engage on their own mm. man i i mean it flips between c and d tier mm. because like like if you're if you're short on players and you need a butt in the seat who will who will at least show up and participate at least in making the die rolls and helping to have like a balanced combat encounter yeah and they leave the role play up to the role players like that honestly that can that can be fine sure. um they're not at least bringing the experience down for anyone um yeah you know, if i but, if i can have other people i would prefer them but i don't mind a seat filler right and that's essentially what c tier is defined as right so are I we happy there fair. yeah okay that's our our smiley with the zipper mouth correct yeah yep yeah all right yeah the, they just don't talk they don't talk um so the next one is the tactician. This is mm. the person that takes the wargaming aspect and really understands it in a way that helps their team. Um, mm. But they are uh, possibly slowing down the experience a little bit or maybe getting a little irritated when people don't make optimized moves. Right. Mm. So they're not so much about like your character build as much as there are about party tactics. They might be like, hey, man, don't forget to um, do a bardic inspiration on the person next in order and initiative because that's more efficient. Right. Or like, hey, make sure that um, you take the flank here to get advantage. So they can interrupt combat and make it feel a bit metagamey during combat, uh, but they can also teach everyone about combat and help your team not die. I think I think that's probably a B tier because if they're if they're going about it properly and by properly I mean you know like with so many of these in a way that's not disruptive or openly metagamey you know if you're staying within the the air quotes proper confines of the game and especially if you're able to do it by offering advice in game by like I don't know having your character speak in character about referring to things that are game mechanics, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, if you can do it cleverly like that, it can be really great and really helpful. And I mm -hmm. think that that's, that's what that type of player should aspire to. And especially if you're playing a game like D&D &D where they're, they're just, you know, like it or not, there is 
an element to it that just is, you know, wargaming. Um, having at least one player at the table that that gets it and that can uh, that can handle it well, and and like you said, uh, even help teach other people about it. That's that's very useful. Um, I think if I'm doing a grid-based campaign where the tactics are important, then then I would put them very high in the list because I would be like, you must, I need you, basically. Yes. Um, but if I am doing theater of the mind, all of a sudden they become much less necessary, which I think, again, is by definition B tier, right? Yep. Great choice for a certain campaign. Yep. Okay. Uh, the next one is going to be the... Is that fi- the... Uh- Sorry, is that the Crusader Kings dude? I don't. It, it's probably that. I didn't know what he was from. He's basically playing chess. Gotcha. Okay. Um. Cool. Okay. So the next one is the fighter. The fighter wants to fight. They like combat. They want to fight things. Fight, 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 fight. That's it. Hmm. <laughs> My picture and is Ryu from Street Fighter. I. I. I His I entire character guess. is he likes fighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, I, I feel like, I feel like so many of these are B tier. Like, oh, sure. I mean, most of them uh, should end up in like B and C really. Yeah. Right. Cause I think somebody who, who loves them some combat is quite often very helpful. Like you want that, at least that one guy who's all about like, if it comes to, if it comes time to smash some stuff. You got a dude for that. It's a crucial aspect of the game, right? If you weren't, I mean, at least if we're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you want to fight things. Okay. Yeah. If we're playing something else, maybe it's less important. But let, you know, assume we're talking about most role playing games where combat is an aspect. Right. Okay. I should say most popular role playing games because I don't really know if the most role playing games have combat. I would assume they do. Um, sure. But uh, so I would say that they're necessary in that Mm. but they're not necessarily an instigator per se but let's say they kind of check out when it's not combat happening right right they're the most engaged when you say roll initiative their ears perk up and their the color returns to their face (laughs) so you're you're not necessarily talking about somebody who enjoys fighting so much that they are constantly trying to start stuff and stir up chaos and whatnot for the sake of getting in a fight. That's more the instigator. You're just talking about when fighting comes around naturally, They that's when they really well, get engaged. It, I think both count, right? It, they both mm. count for the consideration because... I mean, the extreme of anything on this list is terrible, right? Right. So let's say that every now and then this person will make the mistake of starting fights when they're not necessary because they like fighting. And yeah. But for the most part, they're a generally decent player that will just, they just are extra happy when the fighting happens and maybe they just don't participate as much when we're doing the political intrigue. You know, I, I part of me thinks that maybe they're even a tier just because mm-hmm. it feels like they're possibly like the the uh the opposite number to the actor right in a they're way kind yeah. of their counterpart they're definitely a balancing 
aspect, let's say. Right. And I tend to agree. Fighting is an integral part of the game. I was even considering throwing Tactician up there. But I would Mm -hmm. only say that's true if we're using the grid, right? Right. So to that end, look, Ryu is the poster character for Street Fighter. It's a game about fighting. Yep. Okay. Dungeons and Dragons, like it or not, is a game about fighting. Okay. At least in part. It's an aspect just like acting. Okay. Correct. Amundo. And apparently scribing things. <laughs> yes. We need to write things down. You got to take notes. So you have to fight. You got to take notes. You got to act. Yep. All right. A tier. Street Fighter Five. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're, uh, we're trucking along and we have a really good spread so far, but we don't have anything in S tier. Which I'm fine with. I'm totally fine with. You don't need S tier. Yep. Um, so the next one is the builder. I, I, I you, no way you can Bob. guess what picture are you? Yep. Bob, Bob the builder. The builder. <laughs> yeah. Got the picture of Bob. Bob wants to make stuff in your world. He wants to build a keep. He wants to build a business. He wants to set up the fort. He wants to plan all the fort defenses, whatever, right? They want to build a statue. They want to leave their mark in a physical way around the world. Maybe they're even, maybe it's not even a physical way. Maybe they want to build a society. Maybe they want to build mm. a culture, right? They they want to contribute. They want to contribute what it amounts to something to the world. And that way, they're in a more classical sense. I guess they're more of an achiever. Mm. But I wanted to say builder specifically mm. um, because of the sort of construction aspect that the game can sometimes have. I think I almost wanted to put them in A tier, except for the fact that if you like if you're playing a game like, yeah. I don't know, Tomb of Annihilation or something where it's like. This is a straight-up dungeon crawl. We are here to push through encounters, and that's it. Then that, frankly, that player is not going to enjoy themselves. Um, So if only because of that, I would say maybe B tier. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I think I totally agree, actually. Um, Because that... I am definitely also this kind of player mm. where I want to make a thing in your world. Oh yeah. But they're just ta- but I'm also okay with it not always being present. Like if we're doing a dungeon crawl, it's just not there. So again, right. that by definition is they are basically S tier in the right campaign. Yep. Okay. So by the way, that's the way Dungeon Dudes does their like um their tier listing. Like B is S in the right situation. Ah. That makes right. sense. Um, whereas, like, A is generally always great. Um, mm. And then what's interesting when you, when you, when I watch a Triumph Monk's tier list, because he's more about optimization, mm. for him, S is like undesirable, actually, because it's like breaking the game. Oh, because they're so like, good at like one it's thing so... that it almost unbalances stuff. So he would put things like Twilight Cleric or moon druid oh stuff that's where mm. or well, like because in the case of twilight cleric it's just it's so good it's almost stupid to do anything else um yeah like they just sort of outstrip their competitors uh, by the know, numbers it's objectively it, at least, 
at least by the numbers, it's it's making the game less fun. Yeah. Because playing life is now just the wrong choice. Right. right? Um, or Moondrid because they they have essentially flawed mechanics from the beginning where you're overpowered at some points of the game and then you're desperately underpowered at other parts mm-hmm. in a way that's like not healthy for the for the longevity of the game. Right. Um so anyway, S tier, ours is still blank, but that's okay. Yep. Um okay. Which, uh, let's see. We just did the builder, right? We just did the builder. The next okay. one on the list is the artist. Now the I don't mean this in a spiritual sense. I mean the guy that literally draws. The yeah. person that makes stuff to add to the that campaign. So either they're doing some dramatic writing or they're literally drawing pictures or mm. they're maybe even making music. But they are creating art based around what happens in the game. And this is the uh, the guy sitting in the chair basically making like a self-portrait. Correct. He's painting himself. Oh, yep. Gotcha. Because that's every that that's exactly me every time I play D and I'm sitting there drawing my guy. Gotcha. Um, I love it when players draw scenes from the game, right? Or or yeah. refer to it. I love that stuff. I think this is honestly one of those, maybe one of the few player types where I where it doesn't really have a reasonable uh a reasonably extreme version like the extreme version of the artist where like they're doing so much art that it's disruptive or where they're just not engaging in the game at all to me feels like kind of a unicorn situation where like you could imagine it happening but realistically i don't think it really ever would I'm sure someone out there has an example of this, but um, I, I've, I, I've seen some negatives of this before. Um, really? Yeah, like you might have someone at a table who's like, let's say, playing a bard. So they're so they bring their actual guitar, right? Oh. And at first, you're like, you're really excited, right? But then they're just like, they're just jamming regardless, and they and they, 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 they don't really, know when to quit. All they really wanted to do was hang out, right? Um, or the person who's drawing furiously in the sketchbook, and when you call on them, they don't know what's happening in combat, right? Yeah. So that can happen, okay? Um, having said that, I would prefer to have this person than not have this person. Right. right. I like to have little mementos, things to remember about the game that occurred, right? Um, I love that stuff. I have a hard time uh, imagining at the same time that they are... I mean, I don't, I don't think that they are in any way necessary to the experience, though. I mean, they're having an artist in the game is almost by definition fluff or extraneous. Like it's, it's nice to have. It's really great, especially if the person's very good at what they do. Um, but at the same time, having it is just like a little bit of extra seasoning to your food mm. like it'll spice it up a little bit but it it's not essential to the experience you know if they weren't there the game would still could still theoretically progress sure just well, as well let, as it would have let me let me read the definition of a again okay a, a consistently great choice to have in your campaign fits every time yeah i guess you yeah. know 
That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like they don't not fit, and they, they don't not fit, right? If this was a a list of what do I want, mm. like like what do I personally desire, you know, I'm ex- I'm very excited to have an artist, but yeah. it is a thing where I'm I'm never not going to invite that person. Yeah, that's that's fair. You know, this is this is a person that contributes something permanent or i mean maybe it's temporary like if it's music or something but this is someone who can really add a lot of credibility to what a dm and even other players are doing one of my favorite things when we did the crimson shadows campaign was when chris did a like a picture of each of our characters in like that that was really swell and i just i just love that Right. Yeah. Um, I love every time he he posts a picture of one of the characters he's working on. Um, yeah. You used to write and draw for my campaigns constantly. Oh yeah. And Back and for I, me I, that was a huge expression of your interest. Yeah. I love seeing stuff like that. Definitely. I. Yeah. I think so long as so long as they're not going overboard or you know bringing bringing all their band equipment and just not shutting up my bard uh, my bard's a drummer just brings their whole set dude, <laughs> super hardcore and they're just sitting there doing inagata devita like every day <laughs> that's just that would be uh a little too much okay too much we got to keep going so the next one is the class clown mm. the class clown there's a joke for everything. There's a reference for everything. There's a meme for everything. They love to laugh. They love to share laughs. Most of the time, it's even relevant. But sometimes, it does slow down the game. It can yeah. be a little distracting. How do you feel about a class clown? I might be I might be a tad biased here. <laughs> but I, I would say B tier. B tier. The class clown is S tier in the right game. <laughs> That's right? true. <laughs> right? You put him in you put him in the goblin campaign and that bastard is a riot. Yeah, there are definitely times where I actively don't want this person. Correct. Um, which is also not not B tier, right? So obviously this is gonna be the picture of the clown in a classroom. Makes perfect sense. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, that was a quick one. All right, here we go. The next one is the method actor. Now, oh this boy. is this is probably a misnomer, frankly. Um, I just couldn't think of a better way to put it. This is the person that really doesn't want the game to end. They mm-hmm. uh, they love to exchange information with you. They're they're maybe on your social media, you know, for your group very much participating in what's happening between sessions. Maybe you're doing emails back and forth. This is a, uh, a person who is almost all the time engaged in the game itself. They're living that character during the time. Mm. This is exemplified by a portrait of Christian Bale. Yep. What is that from the machinist? I think probably I, I, I think I remember that. Uh, Christian Bale um, got like there were news articles about him losing like a horrific amount of weight and just so going what, way overboard. So what's great about the method actor is that 
kind of like the artists, they add a lot of credibility to your game. Oh, yeah. They're very engaged. They're very interested. You feel like a true artist when you're the GM for this person. Mm. Playing with this person can sometimes be a little much. Also, yeah. sometimes you need to do other things with your week. And this yep. person can put a lot of pressure on you when you need to take a break. Yeah. Right? So, how do you feel about the method actor? I I don't think that they're D tier. I, I think that, you know, especially based off, I think, your very accurate description of them. Um, in the right situation, they do bring a lot of value. But I think that they also... They... I think that they can very easily present some major boundary issues and can can cause some some sometimes significant problems at the table, especially if the rest of the table is not on that level. It can create a very unbalanced feeling experience um where one one side or the other is feeling uh unsatisfied either because it's too much or because it's too little you know if everyone else is not at that level and the method actor is like putting in their blood sweat and tears and everyone else is just They're there to have a really good time frustrated. right yeah. it's miserable for them and on the flip side you know, if you are somebody who's just looking for something more relaxed and you've got this person who is literally putting their entire life, all their passion into this thing and you cannot compete with that, um, it can be extremely overwhelming and difficult to cope with. So I, I would say C tier with the caveat that, you know, if you are a method actor and you know how to set boundaries, and you know how to kind of check yourself, I could easily see that moving up to B or A tier. I just feel like it's an archetype that is too prone to too prone to issues that are easily fallen into. Yeah, I think if I had a B minus tier, yeah. it would be really good there. Um I'm happy to put it in C or B, frankly, yeah. because um, I think there's an argument to be made both ways. Agreed. But but I'll throw it in C for now uh, because, yeah, in the right campaign, maybe with other method actors of that same level, it's great. Oh, but yeah. What, but one thing I have found is that with the method actor, I have had some of the best, most poignant, most emotional absolutely moments in D&D, and I've also had the most turmoil, mm -hmm. right? And so it's, it, you know, it has been a double-edged sword at times, and uh, some people handle it really well. So Right. Um, okay. C-tier, if I have a spot, you're in. Um, next is the historian. Mm. Uh, this is a guy looking at the newspapers with a magnifying glass. Those are stacks and stacks of newspapers behind him. How does this person differ from the lore master? Okay, so the historian um, keeps... he. It's a bit of the lore master and the scribe in one, in mm. that they have curated everything that's happened in the game in a sort of presentable, consumable way. Um, they, Damn! They, they have 
So we have one player in uh, one of our games. Well, I do. Um, who who audio records the session and then edits the session for everyone's consumption and then curates notes so that everyone knows what's going on. Okay, you don't even have to say anything else. That's that is straight up. That is an S tier. <laughs> okay. That is to me. That's almost like like an you an inarguable. Just a, it's a straight up benefit because you have somebody who has the uh, the tendencies, like you say, of the lore master and the scribe, but takes those things and is almost by definition considering everyone else while they do it. What mm. they're producing is literally for everyone else's benefit. So I, I don't see a drawback to that, and especially given the fact that they're likely using their own time, yeah, not they, everyone they else's, be. to do that. Like, yeah. that's that's a sacrifice on their part for everyone else's benefit. You can have a letter S for that, <laughs> for whatever that's <laughs> okay. worth, right? Fair enough. Now, the way I defined S was you absolutely cannot live without this attribute. If this isn't present, you just quit. Maybe, maybe I should amend that to say extremely desirable, right? If, if you can have this, freaking have it. Because I don't know if anything here is going to qualify for S otherwise. Okay. Um, so why not? We'll throw it up there. Our historian is the unicorn. It's unicorn. Very cool. Okay. Um, okay. Um, Next is the fanboy, uh, the, or fangirl, or you know, whatever. Uh, the fan, the, the fan. Let's say the sure. fan is, you know, yeah. I don't know why I had to put a gender thing neutral, <laughs> gender neutral fan. Okay, um, the fan is always excited that it's game day. It the fan is, um, constantly astounded at everything that everyone does in the game. Um, they are hopelessly engaged. If there was merch for your game, they would they would buy it and wear it. Um, I, they they provide a lot of energy. All right. I feel like you're save you were saving all the S tiers for last. Is what what you were doing? Okay. I but love fan, this person. The fan is also the person that's constantly talking about Critical Role, constantly talking about other fandoms that they have oh um, and they're bringing a lot of that stuff to the table sometimes they can lose track of being in the game that they're in because they're almost more of a spectator to everything else that's happening mm. but they're very excited to be there mm. you know i i think i would i would at least put them in a tier if only because I think we owe it to this person to give them the benefit of the doubt and consider that if you are being cognizant of the experience and, you know, maybe they have a few distracting moments, but, you know, if you're a solid GM, you take them aside and go, hey, man, you know, could you dial it back on, you know, the the fanning out about things that are not related to what we're doing now until you know, before or after the session, assuming that that person could take that note and go, fair enough, sorry. 
you know, no problem, and correct the issue. Everything else is terrific. You know, you want that person who's got that energy, who loves being there, who supports everyone else, who gets, you know, who gets your blood pumping, who, um, who gets you as a GM to feel that emotional feedback that they love what you're doing. That, to me, like, that's... That's the lifeblood of of doing this. Um, I'll be I'll be honest. Personally, I need one. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not gonna I'm gonna run out of steam, right? Like, I need a cheerleader. Yeah, absolutely. So at least a tier. I would even say maybe just personally, it's an S tier rank. I'll for me. I'll hand it to S. That was my initial Gut. Uh, instinct yeah. anyway. Is that your thumbs up, dude? No, it's not. It's uh, Miss Marvel. (laughs) Ah, okay. Because Miss Marvel is a huge fangirl for other superheroes. Ah, got it. It's part of her charm. Um, Okay, Uh, here's the next one. The Forever GM. Mm. The Forever GM finally got to play. He's, he's, he, but he's a GM. (laughs) Mm. So... The, the positives of the Forever GM is they know the kind of player that they want. And if, if they have enough sort of personal insight, they kind of know how to be a good player, more or less. But they're also not used to not playing constantly. So they are often bored easily and are already planning their next campaign between combat rounds. Mm. Uh, um a forever GM can also be a little bit imitate, uh, intimidating to a player uh, who's running for them because uh, they can kind of kind of like with the lore master. They can sometimes feel judged. Yeah. Um, but the forever GM is like the grizzled, you know, scarred veteran coming to join <laughs> the, the rest. Yeah. Way. You know, but that can also create a sort of sense of player inequality. My my gut to me says C tier. Ooh. If, if if only because I think that there are, are a lot of forever GMs. Definitely not all, but I think that there's a significant portion of them that are forever GMs because being a GM is their jam. They that's where they tend to be happiest. There are definitely forever GMs that are forever GMs because if they didn't do that, they just wouldn't they get d- to play. They wouldn't get to play at all. Period, yeah. Um, right. But assuming that the forever GM does have a does typically have a choice between being a GM and a player and and chooses to be a GM, I feel like they simply function better in the GM seat. And because you, I feel like a lot of us have seen those GMs who, when they are playing as a player, it's easy to see when they are dissatisfied or when they would, when you can just see the thought go through their head of, I don't know if I'd have done it that way, but... I know that you're running, so I'll keep my mouth shut or, you know, where mm-hmm. where you can almost feel like an ongoing critique <clears throat> existing there. 
Even if they're not saying it. Even if um, they're not saying it. And and to be fair, that's also like on my part, that's <laughs> a lot of assuming going on. So that may not right. actually be the case, but it's easy to feel that way. And if it comes down to would you want this person at your table if you are GMing? For me, I feel like I would probably rather not, not only for me, but also because it just feels to me like they probably wouldn't be as happy as they would otherwise be as a GM. Okay, yeah, I see that. I would make the argument personally for B, maybe because I am a forever GM, you know. Fair. Although although I've had a lot more opportunities to play recently, so that's been nice. Um, but, uh, I am as a, a forever GM, as, as somebody who GM, identifies that way, would, would you say that, that m- the way that I, I wouldn't disagree with anything you said, because okay. there, there are times where I feel like I am dissatisfied, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and I get bored easily because I, I'm used to being pl- engaged in playing constantly. Fair. And I know that I have much more fun running a game right i've just accepted that about myself but i started out as a forever gm out of necessity yeah so i would say though i like playing with other forever gms situationally yeah right which is which for me is kind of b tier right yeah in in the right setting i absolutely want you sure there are times where i sit with my thursday group of students and i go thank god i feel because i feel zero pressure right because mm. as far as they're concerned, I'm the man, right? Yeah. But when I sit down with other forever GMs, I got to be in the mood for that. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes I get some unwanted feedback, right? I I can I can completely understand a B tier, like maybe B with some caveats, you know? Well, even the campaign that you were super excited about, um, the, uh, you know, the Dragna Carter runs, the... Um, yep twice bitten is yep. essentially a campaign for a bunch of GMs, right? Yeah. Um, in the right situation, that's fantastic. It That's true. In the right situation, it's fantastic. So I would say, okay, by the way, my picture here is, is the, the dungeon master from yep. the TV show. Yep. Right. Cause he's literally a character in the show. So yep. he's like getting to play. Um, okay. So our B tier, B tier. Let's do B. Okay. Cool. All right. We only got a few left and we, oh man, we've gone long. Uh, oh God, we've really gone long. Okay. This is going to be an extra long episode, but let's, let, let's lightning around the rest of these. All right. Okay. Uh, this one, I pretty much already know what you're going to say, but this is a distracted player. This person's on their phone a lot. Uh, is this the, the driver with the cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The driver, the cell phone about F-tier. to hit somebody. F tier. Okay. We'll just throw it in D cause that's what we have. No, um, don't need them. Don't need them. Okay, the next one is the emotional player. Uh, this person um, experiences all the highs and lows. They cry when you want them to cry. They laugh when you want them to laugh. This is this is that assuming can... that the expression of emotions are appropriate levels, right? Well, so the, you know they all have their goods and bads, right? So sure. on the good side. Yeah, they're emotionally invested in your story. On the bad side, sometimes it's distracting. Sometimes it can be a bit too much. Maybe they got a little too emotionally attached to what was happening in the game and forgot it was a game. 
right? I, Both things can be true. I'd say I'd say B tier. You know, in in the right situation, they're wonderful, and I think they are at least better than well. If I've got an open spot, you can come, but otherwise, I wouldn't. You know, yeah, I, I I think B tier is fair. Yep, that's uh, the cast of Inside Out. Yep. Okay. Um. All right. I agree. B. Um. Punctual players that are on time. That's the clock. I take it. That's the clock. Yeah. S tier. S tier. They're Boom. on time. They're a unicorn. You will never see them. <laughs> You'll. They don't exist anyway. They we can throw them in S tier. Um. Okay. I mean, there's um, literally no drawback to somebody who is regularly on time. Okay, here is Andrew's least favorite. Are you ready? All right, S tier is our clock. Boom. Okay, here is Le- Andrew's least favorite, the know-it-all. This person says, well, actually, and corrects you. On the bright side, you learn a lot about things. Yeah, like how much you wish this person wasn't at your table. But Sorry. on the other hand, keep it to yourself. We're throwing this in D tier, right? Only because there's nothing lower. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. The next one is the secret GM. The secret uh. GM is kind of low key running your game for you. Uh, maybe you want them to do that. Maybe you don't want them to do that. When you have a secret GM, it can be great because they can help move your plot. Uh, they can come up with ideas you didn't come up with, and you can kind of relax. But on the other hand, they will sometimes usurp your power, and other people can feel that way. Ooh, man. I feel, I feel like that's somewhere between B and C because... Mm-hmm. The goods are really good, but the bads can be pretty bad. That's, that's, I don't know, man. That's a tough call for me. Yeah, that's, that is a tough call. No, I, I I agree with your assessment because, but C tier is like, if I have a spot, you're, you're welcome. B is in the right situation. You're very welcome. You know, I think, I think with a lot of these, um, D is actively detrimental. Right. I I think when it comes I mean, even, to... even our A-tier guys could be detrimental right. given their extremes, right? When it when it comes to any of these, when we're looking at, you know, how it could go bad or not, I think what we've come down on is essentially trying to give these give any of these archetypes the benefit of the doubt and assume that they assume the best until otherwise until otherwise proven so given that i think b tier is probably fair yeah i can tolerate them in the right situation yeah just don't be Um, a jerk but when they do start usurping the game i get very irritated right um okay and then finally um the last archetype is present (laughs) yeah they don't really add much they're kind of like silent but they'll talk if you want them to you know uh typically they're they're not going to do much unless you directly engage them but they're having a good time and so i found a picture of the blandest white guy i could find and he's doing a thumbs up 
Yeah. He's like, all right. All right. I I feel like... This, this person probably doesn't act at all. Um, right. They barely I, know the game. But, you know, it's it's Jim. You're going to invite Jim, you know? I, I feel okay. like... Like, D tier is the stuff that I actively hate. Dislike. Yeah, you, know? you don't want that. And and this guy is not that. You know, no. he's Jim's fun. He's a good guy. He's and he's not guy. and he's not wrecking anything for anyone. He's not being disruptive. So yeah. but if it's between him and someone else who has, you know, and I don't mean this badly, but if it's between Jim and somebody who has something to offer apart from just a butt in the seat. Um, I, I think they're a pretty obvious C tier. Yeah, I think they're almost the, the very definition. The of C-tier. quintessential C tier. They yeah. are the quintessential C tier. You, if I got the spot, you're in, bud. Yep. Okay, guy. Uh, that is the list. That was That's actually it. that. That was really interesting. Um, yeah. Now, I'm sure we could come up with more. Maybe a few of these were not necessary at all. Um. You know, if we miss something really great, of course, uh, message us and whatever. Uh, but I hope that everyone had a good time. In a quick review, in D tier, we had the rules lawyer, the metagamer, the deliberator, the distracted driver, and the know-it-all. Oh, I, I, no regrets. So don't be those guys. Those guys suck. All right. Yep. C. These guys can take a spot if it's open, but we don't, we're not particularly excited about it. Our method actor, our optimizer, our soloist, our silent player, and present. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> B, this is again a great choice for a certain campaign. We have the secret GM, the explorer, the lore master, the instigator, the tactician. The Builder, the Class Clown, the Forever GM, and the Emotional Player. Mm. Going into A tier, these are the people that are consistently great choices to have in your game. We have the Scribe, the Actor, the Fighter, and the Artist. Mm. And finally, in the Rare S tier, we only came up with three. And those three were the historian, the fan, and the punctual. Dude, <laughs> not even screwing around, man. If you are there on time regularly, not only are you superhuman, but you are loved <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> I, Having said that, as a GM, sometimes I like people with a little bit of time flexibility, you know? Oh, flexibility, sure. But if you are if you're reliable, if you're reliable, that you're as good as gold. Yeah, um, baby, I, that's pretty great. You know, now, I got of course s- no player is any one of these things, right? Correct. We're all a little bit of everything, and sometimes you know, if I were to say people's names that I play with, which by the way I would never do because that would be the worst. No, oh, okay, sure. but. Almost everybody is at least three or four of these things on various degrees. Okay. Yep. Um, and on different days. And so I hope people don't feel particularly called out by these because none of you are one of them. Okay. Right. No one I play with is one. Okay. And there are times where I'm sure 
people really like having me in their game and other times where they're very irritated with me. 100% for myself as well. Yes. And you know, that's just part of life, really. And that's fine. Also, this list that we've come up with is 100% not based on any actual science. This is our biased opinions entirely. So, you know, we are interested in your feedback, but these are just opinions. I, you know, I'll also say, too, that I, I think that if you are listening to this, you know, and you hear a description of, uh, any of these archetypes you probably have an idea of which ones you are and if you heard what we said about some of these and you go oh man i you know i hate that i am at at least partially maybe this problem type take it as an opportunity to make sure that you're being the best version of that thing and use it as just use it as an opportunity for personal growth because we all have room to be better than we are we can always improve at little things we can look at our foibles and try to be better about them we can also look at our strong suits and try to be even better at them you know all of us can can learn about ourselves and try to just you know use that secret ingredient to to try to be the best players and the best gms that we can be and to to try to elevate that experience for not only ourselves but the people that we're playing with and try to make yourself that s tier player to the best of your ability and you're never going to be perfect and I don't want anyone to think that uh, that that's what we would expect or think that you should expect. Um, give grace to people and, you know, share the love. I know that uh, that I have spoken a little vehemently about some of these player types like the know-it-all. I gave them a hard time on this episode and the archetype of the know-it-all drives me nuts that being said that doesn't mean that a person who has that you know personality type or profile is just worthless at the table that person can still bring a lot of value and if they can rein in that quality or any of the other qualities that may be a little more on the negative side Mm -hmm. there is there can easily still be a place at the table for that person after all if you're a know-it-all and a historian well there's probably reason you know it all right and and maybe in that case we actually do appreciate some of the corrections because we want to be consistent absolutely right so but if you're also just trying to flex on everyone else about how much smarter you are than everyone else that is actively detrimental take a stop that yep okay absolutely well i think uh this has essentially turned into one of uh, one of our epic episodes. One of our <laughs> epic episodes. Um, but I do want to say thank you to everyone for hanging out with us, and I hope that this was actually, you know, educational and eye-opening for a lot of people. I know it was for me. Um, if if you had told me all the different player types that you had 
come up with from the get-go and told me to guess which ones we would choose to be like S tier, I would not have guessed the ones that we settled on. But after discussing <laughs> it, I 100% agree with them. And uh, yes, that's very cool to me. I, I should have had you just place them with no context. They're literally just <laughs> pictures. Like, just good luck, Andrew. Like, oh, my God. He's yeah. like, well, this is a skull. That's cool. That's pretty rad. I like yes. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thank you for hanging out with us, everybody. Um, you know, I think you've gotten our uh, post-show thoughts. You know, consider who you are on this and how you can improve and how you can emphasize the good and maybe work on the bad. Um, and, you know, just use that secret ingredient as much as you want because uh fun fact it's unlimited baby you can have as much of that secret ingredient as you want and share it because there's enough for everyone so if you like what you heard go tell your friends share some of that secret ingredient and maybe head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and bring your friends and have them do it too and support us in any way that you see fit. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.